Opinions expressed on the Eyes Free Fitness podcast are those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent Blind Alive. No comments are meant to diagnose or treat any particular condition, but to assist you on your journey to wellness. Please consult your doctor if your questions are of a medical nature. Hi, everybody. This is the Eyes Free Fitness Podcast number 95. I am Mel Scott, and today we're going to have three of us talking together today. This is a first on our podcast. It will be Maria Johnson from Girl Gone Blind blog and Lisa Salinger and myself. We're going to be talking today about body image from three different perspectives. Maria lost her vision at around age 50, and she lost it very quickly, which has its own kind of adjustments. And then Lisa was blind from birth, and so she has some perspective and insights on that. And I have lost my vision very, very slowly over my life. And I'm I'm the oldest one of the three. So it it's a a fun conversation. We just kind of blabbed and I think you'll be interested just to listen in and hopefully it'll resonate with you on some level and you're welcome to comment. You can come on to our listserv, which the link to that will be in the show notes, or you can contact us on the contact form. We'd love to hear any kind of comments you would have about this podcast or any other podcast. I would love it if you would take the time to go review this podcast on iTunes. I know it's kind of an accessibility hassle, but it will help us with our ratings in iTunes, and it'll make it easier for people to find this podcast and a link to that will also be in the show notes. Also, you can sign up for the newsletter, which will mean that the blog will land in your mailbox once a week, and then you'll get any announcements about new workouts or promotions or anything like that that we are offering at Blind Alive. So it would be really helpful if you could sign up for the newsletter or You can subscribe to this podcast, which would be also wonderful. We will be coming out with some new workouts before too, too long. I've got three that I'm working on, and it it always goes a little bit slower than I'm I'm hoping it will, but that's okay. That's, That's just the way that goes. And also the app, you can always go to the app now and purchase uh, your workouts there. Bundles are there now. You can get the blog from there and the podcast and a link to the app will be in the show notes as well. So after this interview with Maria and Lisa and myself, or more like a chat, Lisa will have a review of talking scales, which people have been asking about. So there we go. So today we have on Maria Johnson from Girl Gone Blind and Lisa Salinger, our assistant that we love and adore with Blind Alive. And so the three of us are going to talk today about our personal stories about body images, because we're coming from three different perspectives. Maria is coming from the perspective of having lost her sight 
very quickly in the middle of her life. And Lisa is coming from birth, never having sight. And I am coming from the place of losing my sight very, very slowly over my lifetime. And we have different feelings about our body images and how we've worked around that. And also we come from different personality types. So we just thought it would be fun to explore the differences in hopes that it will resonate with some of you and make you feel uh, more included, maybe. So let's, we're going to start with Maria. Maria, tell us a little bit about you know, we know your background, that you lost your sight a little bit more quickly than the rest of us, but let's start from the beginning. How did you feel a long time ago when you were younger? Well, um, I have had, you know, if you want to say the body images, which is what we're talking about, like forever. I grew up kind of the chubby kid. And I remember I was put on a liquid diet. I think I was in seventh grade. And that was the answer. That's how I was going to lose weight. And, you know, I hated it. It didn't work. You know, it was just some fad that was going on at the time. But I struggled with my weight pretty much all through high school. I was kind of the chubby friend. I mean, I wasn't hugely overweight, but enough that I was bigger than my friends. And, I, ha I remember one boy had said to a friend of mine, you know, sh she'd be really cute if she just lost weight. And I was like, I was devastated. I was like, wow, you know, like, what should I do? And of course, what did I do? I gained weight because it was like <laughs> someone had pointed out my weight. And I was on the tennis team and the coach had said again to someone else, she'd be a lot faster on the court if she would just lose some weight. And I mean, like I said, I wasn't huge. I was maybe a size 14, you know, which is not huge, but it was bigger than all of my girlfriends. And my friends could just eat whatever they wanted. And that was great for me because I could eat whatever I wanted and I didn't, no one cared. So in getting into college, I decided I'm going to lose weight you know, this is it. And I decided the only way to do it was to pretty much starve myself. So that's what I did for about mm. two weeks. I hardly eat anything. And I lost about 15 pounds. And wow. all of a sudden, I was, you know, at the top of the world, you know, because <laughs> I thought if I could just lose weight, everything would be better in my life, like everything. It's the answer. And, you know, I felt great after a while, but during that time, I did not feel good at all. I was eating carrot sticks and celery and I would, I was emotional. I felt faint in my classes, but I thought this is the price I have to pay to lose weight. And even more cool is I could wear my roommate's clothes. So that was even more bonus. Yeah. So fast forward, you know, kind of bounced around on the weight scale from being low to high. And it's always been a struggle. Fast forward, getting married. I am losing weight. You know, I am going to be thin and fabulous on my wedding day. And, you know, I've never been thin, but I did lose weight, looked great, collarbones showed, all those little tricks that we, oh, collarbones show, that's a good sign, you know, and my <laughs> stomach's flat, that's a good sign. But, you know, that didn't last very long at all. And um, I put on more weight 
and hence went on my second liquid diet of the lifetime. And that was, you know, the same one that Oprah Winfrey went on years ago and lost a ton of weight. Well, I lost about 60 pounds, six zero. It was fabulous. And then I got pregnant. Oh. And so they said, well, you need to start eating because now you're eating for two. And I'll tell you what, mm. I took that eating for two, like it was the law, you know, right. it was the rule and I ate for two and, you know, I, I gained quite a bit of weight with the pregnancy and then, you know, had my son and he was colic, like unbelievably <laughs> colic. And mm. every time he cried, I ate. And so here I was, I had had a baby, but my body looked nothing like I just, I had had the baby. People wow. thought I was still pregnant and that was horrifying. So I tried the liquid diet again, but I couldn't do it because I knew how torturous it was, <laughs> right? Um, you know? And so there was a, a moment of epiphany somewhere along the way. Um, my son was, um, you know, I think he was around six or so. And I decided this is it. I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired and I'm sick of being overweight and I'm sick of people thinking I'm pregnant. And what I would do, again, this goes with the image. I looked at everything else on my body besides my weight. I would change my hair color. I would change my hairstyle. I would have, you know, had the nails. I would do all these different things, shop for bigger clothes, but I wouldn't address the real problem, which was my weight. Nothing else was getting to that, like I said, the real problem. Changing my hair color and changing the style wasn't helping my weight. Buying more clothes wasn't helping my weight. I was never addressing it. And I almost wouldn't even look at it in the mirror. Like I looked from my neck up. I wouldn't look at the rest of me because I just couldn't. I guess mentally I couldn't. Right. So fast forward, um, get through this. Trust me. Um, <laughs> um, fast forward. I mean, I had, I definitely had the roller coaster of, of weight my whole life. And I, again, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired and I started walking and I remember walking and I could barely get the block and turn around. And I was a little bit defeated, but I thought, okay, you'll be able to do more later. And then I started doing videos at home and my mom had a Richard Simmons video. <laughs> I, love Richard I know. Good old Richard. I would watch this video and I saw these people that were much heavier than me, totally grooving and rocking out with Richard. And I thought, they can do it. I can do it. So I started doing a little Richard Simmons at home and walking. And I did. I lost weight. I lost like 20 pounds. I was feeling good. And I knew I wanted to get pregnant again. I wanted another child. And my friends kept saying, oh, just get pregnant now and then just lose all the weight later. And I thought, yeah, but I don't want all those medical issues with, that comes along with pregnancy and being overweight. I don't want that. So I, you know, I, so I lost, you know, I can't remember the exact amount of weight, but I did lose, you know, some, some decent weight. And I got pregnant with my daughter. And this time I kept walking. I kept doing the video. I ate really healthy and I gained, you know, the minimum, you know, 24.6 pounds, you know, that you gain <laughs> that whatever the number is. So I controlled that, had my daughter still, I was still heavy. Don't get me wrong, but had my daughter, boy, the minute I could, I threw her in the stroller and we started walking. Still kept me active. And 
I started to lose the weight slowly, but you know, that's the way it should be done. I was not doing anything. I was not doing liquid diet. I wasn't doing any program because trust me, I have tried them all. I just slowly started. That was the weight loss. That was the real weight loss. That was the beginning. And slowly the daughter, you know, my daughter got, you know, bigger. I ended up joining a gym. I went to work out. I put Molly, my daughter in the childcare. I went to take a class and it was really hard. It was difficult. And you know what? (laughs) Nobody helped or tried to support me. No one encouraged me. It was horrifying. And I left that day. I was again, defeated again, trying to up my game on, you 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 hadn't lost any vision at this point. No, this is all sighted all sighted. So this would have been in my thirties. I left that day and I went back a week later and, and canceled my membership. I mean, I was just that defeated. Hmm. And so I was like, I can't do it. I mean, I'm too fat and da 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 da. I don't feel good about myself still and all of that. So I ended up doing um, more home videos. You know, there's an array of them, of course, all VHS, all VHS, you know. And I would do workouts when my daughter took her naps. And I knew I had this thing. I knew if she took her nap, I had to do the workout then because there was no other time because, you know, I was busy mom with two kids, the whole thing. So that helped. And then I went back and I rejoined the gym. And at that point I could start to enjoy myself and enjoy the group fitness classes. And I became a front row diva and (laughs) I, I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And they had a, um, a, they were having, going to have a workshop on becoming a certified fitness instructor through that particular gym. And I'm like, Hmm, you know, (laughs) maybe I will. I don't know. And a friend of mine said, well, I think I'm going to do it. And I go, okay, then I'm going to do it. So we went through the workshop and I passed their certification and I thought, well, now what, you know, this is awesome. I went from front row. Now I'm going to go to the, you know, the front of the room. And I was given my first class a week later, which was, you know, wow. horrifying. I know I was so, I was horrified. And I was, and here's the, I was taking over the class from someone who had had that same class for like 15 years. So I walk in, I've, barely taught any classes and I'm stepping in the shoes of someone that they've loved for 15 years. So, you know, (laughs) talk about nerves, but I managed to get through it. I became the instructor for that class and, you know, they loved it. And then I was offered another class, which happened to be the same time slot of the class that I took years prior and, and walked out out feeling like worse than I did when I came in and then quit the membership. And I was offered the class and I said, yeah, I'll take it. And I now to this day still teach that same time slot of the class that I walked out of because I couldn't do it. And now now I teach it. So, you know, it's, it's changed formats along the way, but you know, I have, you know, side note, I now make sure that every person in my classes feels encouraged and no matter what their size is, no matter, you know, if this is the start of their fitness journey or they've been doing it for a long time, because I don't want anyone to feel the same way I did as the, the bigger girl in the back of the room who is struggling. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a fun story, but I lost a lot of weight 
and I did it the right way. Exercise and eating right. I used no magic. And I, my goal was to get, um, after many years, to get to my 50th birthday and be as fit and fabulous <laughs> as I could be. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, meanwhile, I had started to lose some vision and not knowing why. And, but I still, you know, my eye was on getting fit and fabulous because I was throwing myself a huge party. And, you know, I, you know, that was more important than my vision at that point. And I didn't know what was going on with my vision. So I was working out twice a day. I was just a maniac. And the whole time, ladies, I'm going blind and don't know it. So I'm struggling to see you know, I was doing, um, you know, videos, I mean, on the computer and I was struggling to see the videos. I have to kind of get close and then move away and, you know, do whatever they were doing. And I even thought to myself, if I'm, what if I go blind, how am I going to do my videos? And, you know, I better memorize what these moves are so that when I can't see the computer, I can still do them. Like, I can't believe I even thought that, but I was, Yeah. but also part of me, Mel and Lisa, I was thinking, well, cause that's not really going to happen because, <laughs> you know, they'll figure this whole vision thing out. Besides <laughs> I have a, I had a huge party to, you know, put on and, and that was way more important. So I have to say that on my 50th birthday, I was as fit and fabulous as I've ever been in my entire life. And I, I met the goal, but Soon after that, my vision started to decline rapidly and I was diagnosed with LHON and that has led to a whole nother world of body image issues because I think you ladies will agree, I now cannot see myself in the mirror and I, I know prior to my vision loss, I would walk by the mirror and go, Mm, looking good, Maria. You're doing great. Look how, you know, look how tight everything is. Or I'd walk by and go, oh girl, you got to take that outfit off because, you know, mm, it's too tight. You know, I used it as kind of a self-reflection, if you will, of what I looked like. The mirror. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, but now I can't. And that, I struggled with that for a really long time. And I thought, gosh, how am I going to know if I look okay? And I couldn't do that self-check on my physique, the body, right? The body. So in the last four (laughs) and a half years, in the last four and a half years, but you know, showing that I've struggled, I really have struggled with my weight forever. And you know, since I was little, I mean, I've seen pictures, I'm like the chubby kid even. And here I was, I had worked so hard to get to this body that I was 100% 100% confident in, I felt good in, and I started to fall into old habits after my sight loss. And I started to drink too much wine. <laughs> I started to not care. I started to eat my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, all the old habits that I used to do when I was stressed and depressed, when I was, you know, sighted and heavier. And I thought, who cares? I'm blind. Who cares? People won't blame me because I'm, I'm, I've lost my vision. They'll be like, Oh, she's, you know, she's lost her vision. She's had a hard time. So no one would think horrible of me. I mean, they probably wouldn't blame me, but I started to blame myself and I have 
you know, let's just confession time. I have put on more weight than I would have liked to over the last four and a half years. I'm not happy about it at all. I still work out. I still teach my classes, but my eating habits completely went to, you know, pot. (laughs) I mean, they are they were like null and void. And, um, you know, friends would come over because I couldn't go to their house and they'd come over and bring wine and cheese. And I'm like, yeah, we've got to drink all four bottles tonight. Let's do it. So it's been a huge transition in my life. Obviously, I have let myself fall back into what was easy. What was I didn't have to think about. I didn't have to be particular. I just ate. So here I sit talking with you girls and I am heavier than I've been in years. And, um, I am working on it now and I am working on it and I know I need to work on it. And I don't want to just talk the talk anymore because I need to walk the walk like I used to, because I know that that makes me feel better. I still see myself how I used to how I I still see myself how I was when I was sighted so I I'll put on an outfit and I think I still look as good in it as I did four years ago and now it's super tight it hardly fits but I I think I still look like I did because I don't can't see what I look like now in the mirror right? right and and I will not look at a photo of myself because <laughs> I don't, you know, I'll just, you know, crumble. I'll just crumble, I'm sure. So there you go. That's kind of where I've come from. And the struggles started, have been there my whole life, but they really got amplified after my, the, my sight with, loss. Let's pick up some of those threads once we've heard a different story from Lisa, because Lisa's story is a very different story, and my story is a very different story. And so once we've got our stories in place, then maybe we can pick up some of these other threads and and Mm -hmm. tease them apart a little bit. So Lisa, let's, can we hear what has happened in your, your life? Sure. When I think about body image, it's so much more than just weight to me. It's partly weight, but I guess everything I think about body image could be summed up in the question, what would I look like if I could see? And that sounds really silly. Well, you know, you'd look like you. Well, maybe not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There are some medical components. The syndrome that caused my blindness also causes me to have short stature. So likely I would be taller, but I don't even really mean that. As a kid, I was overweight, but I have no idea how overweight? I mean, I don't know, and I can't get any good answers. Was I five pounds overweight or 10 pounds overweight? And what would that even mean? What would that even look like on a kid? My mother was very on me all the time about my weight. And she struggled with weight. And I think she did not want to see me fall into that same trap. But I was a sensitive kid. I was eager to please. And so I took that overboard. I was not chubby. I was monstrous. I mean, I remember when I was in college and she and I had a discussion about a robe that she bought me. And she was not happy about the size that she bought me. And I loved this robe and I wore it until it about fell apart because it was warm and anybody who knows me knows I hate to be cold and I found it later like 15 years later I don't know why I still had it Mm -hmm. 
but it was little. It wasn't enormous. And I cried because it was like, I had no idea. Hmm. Um, but I want, like, my mother would buy clothes for me that were very tight. And I think it was because she wanted me to understand the feeling of you weigh more than you should. But they just made me feel uncomfortable. And in the last 20 years or so, I had someone else helping me with the bulk of my shopping. And I didn't even have any idea that they made clothes that were loose enough that I didn't feel like I had to hold my breath. And so now my mother and I can shop together and I can just say, you know, I'm not comfortable wearing this, but I wonder, are the styles or the colors that I wear, what I would wear if I could see them? How would I wear my hair? I mean, I know that without outside influences, I would still probably have long hair down to my waist (laughs) because I liked it very much. And to me, that was attractive. And I was really good at it. I mean, I could do chignons without the little model thing that held things in place. And I could French (laughs) braid and I could do all this stuff with long hair. (laughs) But I heard repeatedly, this does not flatter your body type. This does not flatter your face. So Mm. I caved, you know, and also my hair is now gray. Apparently it's a very nice gray, uh, like a silver gray. I won't, this is a whole other thing. I I don't color my hair. I have no desire. I'm too paranoid. I would go get it colored one day. And then the next day, I think I would be the kind of person that was asking anybody, are my roots showing? You know, so it's better to just let it be what it is. But I really do wonder what I would look like. And I really wonder how accurate my impression of myself is. About five years ago or so, I was with my youngest sister and we ran into someone I knew from high school. And when we left him, I said to her, my gosh, he sounds like a boring middle-aged old man. (laughs) And she says, well, what age do you think you are? And I'm like, thank you, Captain Obvious, you know? (laughs) And I was about 45 at the time. And I said, you know, it's really funny because if someone just asked me to free associate and give like, the answer that I felt, not the answer that I knew that was real. You know, for the longest time, if somebody said, how old are you? You know, even close to being 50, I would have said, oh, you know, 25, 30. Um, (laughs) Because we don't see time passing. And I think for me too, um, I know that both of you have children and I don't. So I don't have that. I mean, I have nieces and nephews, but it's not the same as living with children and seeing that passing of time. So I really don't know how I look and how my look has changed over time. I mean, I know what people tell me. I know obvious things, but nuances I don't know. And when I was a child or a teen and I lost weight, it didn't really seem real because I couldn't, I wasn't good at telling it. I wasn't good at feeling it. And I think I'm not even sure what this looks like exactly, but I think we need to do a better job (laughs) of acquainting people who are born with little to no sight with their own bodies. Yes. We need to find other ways to be 
our mirrors. Like yes. when you said collarbones, I thought, well, I can feel my collarbones, but I wonder if they're visible. They're probably mm -hmm. not. And it's like, you know, there's so much I don't know. And so much of what is said about our bodies is so weighted. I mean, in one sense, I'm really fortunate because I don't have the extreme pressure and I didn't have the extreme pressure that teen girls did to look a certain way. But then again, you know, I may have been mildly chubby, you know, at age, well, I remember being put on a diet when I was like seven. And, you know, for all I knew at age seven, I was so enormous, I was ready for the undertaker. And mm. no one, no one did but that did, to me on purpose. And you didn't, you didn't have a frame of reference. No, I didn't. And I was so eager to please and very black and white in my thinking that I just thought I must be grotesque, you know? Mm. And also it really kind of set me up for failure because it was like, no matter what I do, um, I'm too far gone, you know? Mm. And that's just, it's not so for anybody, but I'm not so, really sure what the answers are, but I think we have to do better. I'm, I'm curious about children who are blind from birth. Mm -hmm. Would it be a good idea to have mannequins of all different shapes and sizes of men and women that are anatomically correct and all different shapes and sizes that that they could explore you know with know. different hair hair and uh you know different types of hair you know so that they've got a frame of reference maybe but like i remember i had barbies and i had skipper who was like barbie's little sister right and i could tell you the difference i thought it was pretty ironic that barbie had heel shaped feet and Skipper did not. <laughs> um, that was what I noticed. But I didn't really translate that into people. Um, well, and that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't know that mannequins would really translate into people. And I don't know if it's about, I don't think it should start with other people. I think it should start with the child. And yes, this, this on your body, I mean, I don't know how you would say this. You'd have to say it, you know, these, these parts, you know, this is where you have muscle. Um, this is where, you know, you could stand to lose a little bit. You've got to be really careful, yeah. you know, especially so with somebody who's into pleasing. And I got a lot of information at a fairly young age about, muscles and things like that but i had already gotten the message sort of that i was too big and therefore kind of unworthy and again i think that was more my black and white thinking kind of personality uh sadly took that and ran with it i think had i been shown other size and shapes bodies that would have helped but i think that it would need to start with my own body first because I didn't really understand how my body related to other people and what on my body maybe carried more 
fat than it did. I mean, I, <laughs> and I'm not sure I want to find out because that's getting up close and personal. But when people <laughs> say like, I have no butt. I'm like, okay, what does that look like? Right. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, what, what does that even look like? Seriously, I'm picturing this mutant buttless wonder <laughs> strolling around and I'm sure it doesn't look like what I'm picturing. Right. You know, but right. it's hard to conceptualize and it's like I don't know. It it's um So what what I'm I'm curious about now is how how do we sit with our body image now? I mean I'm not happy with the way I look. Some days I am and some days I'm not. But it, it's definitely an inside job. And everybody says, well, you know, the beauty is from the inside and all that. But I do mm -hmm. know for a fact, I know for a fact that when my body feels stronger and leaner, I feel more confident. I don't want to necessarily be that way, but that's the truth of it right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I think there's definitely something to be said for giving ourselves permission not to be perfect. Another kind of an aside, I guess I was born with this and my mother said I had it since I was an infant and I have been overweight and I've also been quote at my ideal weight. But on my left thigh on the side, I have a dimple, a like a fairly large one. And I was obsessed with this as a kid, especially, you know, like I've got to lose enough weight so that this goes away. And that just wasn't going to happen because that's how it is, you know? Right. Um, and so now all of podcast land knows how to identify my body. If there were ever, <laughs> I don't think that's something I've ever shared. It's just a weird personal thing. But, um, you know, I think at some point I just thought, okay, so what? I have this dimple and it's here. But it's like, I think as, especially as someone who's blind, or maybe if you've been blind for a long time, I think we kind of have this secret dread that there are things about our bodies that are secrets even to ourselves. Exactly. That you we know, like if people, if I could see myself, down. I would just crumble and die out of yes. shame. Yes. You it's know. like, you know, and but it's also like everybody has these things. You know, I am not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. And I need to accept that because neither is anyone else. I mean, it's mm -hmm. kind of like if you go out to eat for dinner and you drop something on yourself. Not that I've ever done it, of course. <laughs> yeah, but I've, I've heard there are these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do that. <laughs> oh, I have the curse of death. I have a white shirt on today, so I never should have said that I'm going out to eat tonight. But anyway, mm. um, I'll drop something on myself. And I think, oh, my gosh, everybody is watching. Everybody sees this. And a dear, blunt, honest friend said to me one time, you know, you kind of need to get over yourself. Because if somebody saw you, big deal. You think they've never done it? And she said, and besides, people have better things to do than watch your every move. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And I yeah. should have felt like, oh, wow, slam. And what I felt was, wee, like, yeah. oh, this is liberating. This is great. great, you know. She's right. right. I'm allowed see, to be we, human. 
And we don't, but we don't have the frame of reference to no, know that everybody else is walking around with stains and mustard all over their clothes. Exactly. You know, and yeah, they probably, there is the sad truth that if we get something on ourselves, we don't always know it. Or, you mm-hmm. know, then people say, oh, they're blind. But you know what? That's somebody else's problem. Yes, you know, we if, have to let go of our ego. It's yes, about, their it's attitude about is their go. problem. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's mm. right. And that's, that's the... That's the thing is the, the ego part is, you know, who cares? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, that's a hard thing to get when I lost sight at a later age. The, I never spilt on myself. I mean, I never spilled anything. I never dropped anything on myself or spilled on myself. And now, it, you know, I really get paranoid about it. And I use about 78 napkins at every meal because I need to make sure nothing's on my face. Mm -hmm. And I also ask my friends or family, is there anything on my shirt? Is there anything on my shirt? Are you sure there's nothing on my shirt? And I almost don't believe them because I'm like, are you sure? You know, because I, you know, I, and coming from, you know, again, this being a new fairly new life for me with blindness before I could see if I dropped something off my shirt. I didn't have to use as many napkins because I wasn't as, you know, OCD about food on my face. So there's the difference there is I have started to have to deal with that now. And I have, Lisa, I have had people say the same thing to me about, you know what, they're really not watching you like you think they are, but you know what? I don't know that. Everybody at the table could be looking at me when I drop the, you know, piece of, you know, Caesar salad on my shirt. I think somebody had to see that and they think, oh, what a mess she is. But, you know, I think that comes with adjusting to living with blindness. Yeah. And And I've gone down that path myself. Like, okay, well, what if they did see? What does that, what does that say about me? What does that say about them? You know, I've talked about this before. Um, I'm in the process of getting my certification as a life coach. And we talk a lot about the stories that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. and it's like dropping something on myself does not necessarily make me bad or unskilled or clumsy. It makes me human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do yeah. you, do either of you, I have this idea that I need to be this blind hero type. You know, I have this idea about myself that, okay, I have to overcompensate so that I can be as good, better than anybody yep. else on the planet, you know, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And it is. It yeah. takes so much energy. It does. To be, to try to be that. And I, I just, I don't want to be that anymore. I think we've yeah. all done it. And I think it really can come from a place of insecurity. I think we're trying to prove to not only as a friend of mine would say John Q public, but to ourselves that we are good enough. And I think sometimes we cloak it in. I feel like I have to represent all blind people. Exactly. And I went, you know what, really, it's not about that to me. That's like a, this is just for me, but that's like a making it nobler than it is. For me, it's like, I'm insecure enough that I want to be, universally adored and how unrealistic is that yes you know Mm -hmm. that's um, right that's right and you know what other people other sighted people you know 
they sometimes wear their, their meal. Now, granted, I may do it more than they, but if we're seeking universal adoration, <laughs> we, could be go- we could be seeking that for a very, 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 very long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's normal. Every, everybody wants, wants that. And if we don't make peace with ourselves, that universal adoration could slap us in the face and we wouldn't know it anyway. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. so chasing this idealized version of someone that doesn't even exist. Well, and I think tagging on to your point, Lisa, is that when I get dressed and walk out the door, I don't want anyone to say like, well, don't say anything, but you know, that sure doesn't match because she's blind. So, you know, so I do, it's that extra energy, like Mel was saying that I put into look, trying to look well kept and that no one's going to go, you know, do the old, well, she's blind. Don't worry about it. You know, it's the way it is because I didn't, honestly, I didn't come all this way in life to be looked at as not caring about what I look like, a hag, a whatever, you know, gosh, she's 54 and look at her. She's a wreck. Well, <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't want that because yeah. I had a certain standard for myself previously and I, you know, I'm not vain or anything like that. I've had the weight struggle. So working on my weight is something that's just part of my life. But I want to come arrive at a party or a social gathering or at the gym to teach a class. And I want to arrive looking like I, not like I did before, but you know, that I have still the same standards as I did before. And somebody said to me once, like, you know, you're not less, you know, you're not less because of your blindness. You're actually more because of what you deal with and the strength and the courage and all the things that you go through. And again, this is me losing vision at a later age that you go through to try and pick myself back up again. And with that, it's wearing, you know, wearing the clothing that is flattering for me and all of that. And like I said, with the weight thing, it's obviously been teetering a bit, but like you said, the effort to try and be more is exhausting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. And, and to me, matching is not really such a big deal. I mean, no, I care that I match. Let me not, let me not make that <laughs> go wrong. But I, you know, I find out what goes together and I go with that. But the problem I have is let's say that I have gone shopping or I've ordered stuff online and I order or I get maybe two pairs of pants. And to me, the fabric feels almost identical. And I can put them on and someone will say, well, that looks really good. And I can put another pair on and the fit feels the same. And they look at that one and they go, oh, not so much. Mm. That one shows everything. Huh. And it, it frustrates me. It makes me kind of, I don't know, a whole soup of emotions, I guess, Mm -hmm. kind of angry, kind of sad. Like, how don't I know this? Why can't I know this just by feeling it, that some fabrics will hide flaws and other ones will basically place them on a billboard. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's the other thing too, is that we don't have to be, we don't have to do it alone. We can, we don't have to be lone rangers and we can have people around us that we trust and who really, I mean, I think it's priceless when you can shop with someone or have someone give you feedback who really 
gets you, who mm-hmm. yes. accepts you and would say, you know, that looks okay, but it doesn't look like you. Yes. And you know yeah. that they're talking about the real you and not the preconceived notion of you. My one sister said, you know, I feel like you wear too many dark clothes for your personality. And I'm like, well, that's because dog hair matches everything. I don't have a dog at the moment, but <laughs> at the time lab. we had that conversation, I did. I had a black lab. Yeah. You know, and that was interesting to me. I didn't really change my clothes so much, especially like the bottoms, you know, where the dog would be. But I added some brighter accessories, you know, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going in circles yeah. and repeating myself, but having someone who really gets you, yes, I think is the next best thing to actually being able to look in that mirror. Right. I you agree. Know, and the thing, you know, in terms of, of clothing is, okay, what's trending? Do I care? You know, mm. I just, I yeah. learned about a style the other day that I never, I didn't know existed something, some, something called joggers, you know, I didn't know what joggers were. How, how am I supposed to know what, what's out there? And so the way I have come to to this and and I, i'm still working with it but i'm a simple person you know i want to be a simple person I, I don't want a lot of fluff and stuff and i have been saying for years i want a uniform i want <laughs> i want a uniform i want something that looks good on me is works with my body shape i've got that you know classic pear shape body you know that some clothes really don't look good on and others look great on and i i love long dresses because i don't feel like shaving my legs or whatever it is you know i want to just be free and loose and and flowing and being able to breathe and so I found dresses that fit my body, that are loose and flowing, and I bought four of them in different colors. And in the winter, I've been wearing them with with tall boots and leggings underneath and mismatched socks. And the leggings are wild and crazy, mm. but, the so- but the dress on the top is a solid color, and only me knows that I've got the rebel underneath my clothes, <laughs> and, and it just, it gives me this little tickle, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> if you only mm-hmm. knew, if you only knew what my socks looked like, or my leggings looked like, but it works for me, I have a set thing that I wear, and if mm-hmm. I'm working out, I've got my black sweats, and I've got my basic shirt and I always wear solid colors. I don't wear crazy patterns because crazy patterns bother my own eyes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like crazy patterns take away from, from me and who I am. I want to shine outside of my clothes. I don't want my clothes to shine. So this whole body image has become an issue for me, particularly in the last few years, because I can't see myself in the mirror anymore. But I still go to the mirror every day. Mm-hmm. I, still, I still go to the mirror and stand in front of the mirror. I brush my teeth in front of the mirror. If I'm putting on makeup, I still do it in front of the mirror, but I can't see. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, yeah. it's, it's a habit. It's a habit. Yeah. 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 It's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting habit. But the thing that I'm struggling with is I feel invisible now because I don't see myself. And mm. if people around me don't see me or don't say, then, because usually if you have a guide dog, I have a guide dog. And so automatically people say, oh, you have such a beautiful, and it used to be for me, oh, your hair is so beautiful. Or there would, it would be something about m- me. And now it automatically goes to my guide dog. I went, mm. I went to a party last Sunday and there was this guy that came up and I had jingles with me and he came up and he started talking about, you know, you're beautiful. Uh, and he started to go off talking about the color of my beautiful dress, which was one of my uniform dresses that I always wear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but he, he, he was talking about me and not my dog. And I got really embarrassed. It's all of a sudden, all yeah. of a sudden I've been seen when I'm used to not uh, being seen. Yeah. You know, I had a dog for 20 some years and then did not through a number of circumstances. And that was really weird. I felt the same way. Like when people complimented me on something, well, first of all, I felt kind of naked when I went out, like, who am I without my dog? Because not only did I have guide dogs, but then even among blind people, I was a little different because my last dog I owner trained. And so it was really weird. Like, who am I without my dog? And I think we go through these stages and circumstances, you know, we can't just make peace with ourselves and with our body image at one point in our lives. You know, who am I without my dog? Who am I, you know, how should this change my clothing options? Let's say once I've turned 50, I remember I got to an age where I felt like, okay, I really probably don't want to go out in public wearing t-shirts with writing on them. And some people do, and that's their style. But I just felt like, I think I'm kind of beyond the age for that, at least for me. And for all I know, you know, people in their 80s could go out wearing t-shirts with writing on them. I don't know. (laughs) Um, You know, and that's the the weird thing is you don't know necessarily how accurate your perceptions are. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's very awkward when someone, um, I was used to all that effusiveness kind of going to my dog. And so when someone says, you know, you have a nice smile or whatever. Um, yeah, I get shy. I get, I get, uh-huh. bashful. I the blush. thing that surprises me and I've gotten actually lots of compliments on them, but when people compliment my eyes, mm-hmm. I feel like that says more about them than it does about me <laughs> because they're comfortable enough with it and with my blindness to bring up my eyes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I usually don't rain on their parade by telling them that one of them is not real, um, <laughs> you know, but it's just an interesting uh, observation, I find. And there are all these myths that we live with. Oh, well, when you get a certain age, you you know, you have to have short hair because long hair drags you down. And oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm done. With, I'm done with that. I'm almost 60 years old. And I swore I said, I'm not ever cutting my hair again. I don't care. <laughs> I I, you go. Yeah, let it be as big as it wants to be. But see, I care. And that's, so that's my thing. Like, as much as I would love to let my hair grow long, it really is dictated by my personality. Because 
even though I can't see the people around me, I know that the vast majority of people my age have relatively short hair. And so I, I guess I just wonder how much of what I look like is determined by personality and how much of it is determined by Society. what others say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, I kind of had a different twist on the, you know, you both have had guide dogs for, for years. And, you know, so here I am, I am 50 years old thinking I'm pretty much at the top of the world. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, I lose vision and become legally blind. And all of a sudden I have to add a cane to my accessories Mm -hmm. and that (laughs) tell you what, Uh, you know, I wanted nothing to do with it. Nothing. And I thought the cane people would look at me and they would go, Oh, look, she's really blind. Cause she has a cane or it just screamed. I'm blind. I'm blind. And I didn't want to be blind and I didn't want to walk around with the cane and be looked at as somebody who was blind and not that there's anything wrong with being blind. Don't get me wrong. But when you lose your vision quickly, like I did at 50 years old, it's a difficult time to bring the blind world or to step into the blind world. If you will, I did not want to step into the blind world. I wanted to be in my sighted world because things were good and I liked it. And if I went to the blind world, I'd have to learn all these things and use a cane and all these different things. And I felt that the cane was something I didn't want to carry. And I was, I was concerned of what people would think. And I also, but where that was coming from was of course me. And I, you know, I was wondering if people were staring at me, pointing, um, how was it affecting the people that were with me? Were, were they upset that people might look because you just, you know, a lot of times you just don't see blind people walking around and, you know, it actually used to upset my daughter. People would stare and my daughter who is a little sassy and I have no idea where she gets it, but you know, maybe maybe from me, she would actually stare them down harder until they turned away when they saw they were being stared at by her. She was very protective and she would never tell me they were staring at me. She might tell me later, but I felt my confidence level was, you know, zero. Um, I was so self-conscious that I could, you know, barely breathe. And it was all because of carrying that cane and that becoming part of my, of my life, my image, you know, Mm -hmm. everything. And, you know, now I'm much better with it. I actually have like six canes, a couple of them of colors, you know, and now obviously I've kind of accepted it, but me, I don't have to use a cane all the time. So, you know, I can pick and choose when I use it, when I need to and all of that. Now, so the attention I was getting wasn't on me, it was on the cane. Mm -hmm. And that was a hard thing to transition to into because I didn't want people to know, see the cane, but yet that was the first thing they saw and they weren't seeing me. Not that I wanted all the attention, but I didn't want anyone to see the cane. Don't see the cane, you know? (laughs) Ironically, I'm the exact opposite. I have had people who said, well, why do you need to take your cane? And it's something I won't bend on. There is also, you know, there's the whole aspect of if I need to go somewhere independent of you, then I need it. But for me, more importantly, I want people to see the cane. I want them to know 
that if they smile at me and I don't smile back Mm -hmm. or they try and make eye contact and I don't make eye contact, or if they're trying to get through with a shopping cart and I don't get out of their way, I want them to know why. So I really want them to see the cane and to see that I'm blind. Yes, you know, absolutely. And, absolutely. and I know that that means some people will stare, but I guess I just feel like that's their thing. But I want them to know there's a reason for my behavior. I'd rather someone think that I'm blind, which is correct, than yeah. have them yeah. think that I'm rude. Yeah, which yes. generally is not correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I think that that comes um, with that slow acceptance of the cane and what the cane actually does for you. It's, you know, it's not about, as my doctor said, Maria, it's not all about you, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> the cane is, yes, it's a mobility tool, but it's also to let other people know that you are visually impaired blind. Just everything you just said, Lisa, that I did not realize for a long time. It's I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was all about me. And then the moment he said that, oh, and then he said, and you don't have to use it all the time. And I'm like, huh? So he goes, no, you know, fold it up, put it in your bag, whatever. I'm like, really? It, I, cause I just didn't know. And the, the exact same thing, Lisa, in the, in the grocery store, I don't move. And you know, you, you know, they're looking at you like, you know, move it, you big, you know what? <laughs> and I'm like, doo, 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 you know, or I bump into something. And I, if I don't have my cane, you know, people are going to think you're even more crazy, you know, than if you have the cane. So, you know, the cane kind of does speak for your behaviors, as you said, Lisa, and it does. And I think when you lose vision later, bringing in a a guide dog or any kind of mobility tools is um, something that we have to kind of figure out mentally that it is, you know, it is a part of us now. It's a part of our life and it serves uh, so many purposes, you know, that we didn't even, didn't even know. And, um, you know, it's not until someone finally sets you down and says, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. And it's, and, you know, and it's something you need and, yeah. um, you know, acceptance and, and kind of, looping back you know the acceptance of ourselves our bodies our images what we're wearing how do we look and I've had people say why are you wearing any makeup because you can't see it and I'm like well because again I want to still look my best if at all possible you know and um, I actually have lash extensions which make it look like I have these gorgeous lashes with you know mascara and the whole thing on like 24 7 and again people say why do you get those you can't see them and I said well yes that's true but you know what I know they're on and I know that they just kind of brighten my spirit a little bit they make me feel good. And I know that, you know, all I have to do is put on a little blush, a little lip gloss, I'm good to go. So those, those decisions that we make to maybe do those little extra things for ourselves, you know, I think people may think, well, you're vain. Um, Why bother? Why bother? And it's, it's not that at all. I go, I think that it makes our insides shine brighter because we're feeling good. We're all so different. And, and I think we need to discover and explore what helps us to feel better 
in our environment and have the chutzpah to go and, and ask for that or to follow our intuition so that we can understand and to be, to be curious. If you don't know what other people's bodies look like, find a way to figure that out if it's something that, that interests you. Everybody has to find, to find their own way. And I think, you know, the three of us could, could ramble on about the deep psychological meanings of, <laughs> of all of this so easily. I know I could, uh, but I'm thinking we probably ought to, we ought to wrap, wrap it up. I, I think body image is a huge issue for us as a blind community. And it's not just women, it's men too. I, I don't want to exclude men. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. one day we'll, ha- we'll have to have a, a panel of, of men on talking about body image because, you know, they've, they've got their own hangups too. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always thought it would be harder to be blind as a man than it would as a woman because for women, qualities like being nurturing and caring are valued. But with men, it's so much more about performance. You know, can you bring mm-hmm. home the, the bacon? Can you chop the wood? Can you whatever? And so, yeah, I think that would be fascinating. Yeah, I, yeah, I do too. So uh, do, we, do we have anything else that we just absolutely must say right now? <laughs> you know what? I have one. I have okay. one. And I think this is a really good way to end. And I think it's a good way to think about things. The only downside is I don't know who to give credit to for this. I read this years back in Dialogue magazine, and I thought it was so profound. I've shared it with other people. I've made it part of my life. And they were talking about how when you're losing sight or you're going through anything in your life, that people say you have to accept it. And the author basically said, there's no way. Because (laughs) when you accept something, you sit there with a smile on your face and your hands outstretched like you're accepting a gift. And you say, thank you. (laughs) And we don't always want to accept things like that. But what we can do is we can adjust. Yes. And we can adjust what we think about ourselves, how we think we look, what others expect of us. And that adjusting takes strength and character and courage. And so I would suggest that we think about not just accepting, not just surviving, but adjusting and thriving and that strength of character. Be willing to adjust and to be curious about the adjustment and use it as another growth opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tagging on to that, Lisa, I think there comes along with the the um, uh, adjusting. And I think you need to find a a balance in your adjustment because you can go you can let yourself go way downhill past that, you know, I've adjusted because I don't care anymore. (laughs) And, you know, but yet on the other side, it's, you know, it's too stringent, I need to care. And I'm, you know, I'm constantly worried about it. So Finding that balance, you know, because, you know, I may have slipped down the slope a bit, just a touch. Um, <laughs> so I kind of try to bring myself back into adjustment balance, which could be a whole nother topic. But and to find that balance, because there, I think personally, I think there is a balance in there somewhere to be said about the adjustment process. Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. But thank you, Lisa. That's, that was a wonderful uh, way that. to end it. Yeah. 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 Thank what you. a great conversation. We'll have to do this again. 
I think we could have part two, three, and four. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah. We've, only, we've only just gotten started, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. So thank you, Lisa and Maria. This has been uh, fabulous. And stay tuned for the next uh, installment of uh, <laughs> Chats with, the, with Us. <laughs> thank you, Mel. Do you have dreams of getting fit and healthy? Only to have them shattered. Blind Alive is here to help. We offer competitively priced, eyes-free workouts with complete descriptions designed for you, whatever your level of health or fitness. You can download or purchase CDs, and if you have any trouble, support is just a click or call away. Check us out today at www.blindalive.com. And if you like what you find, be sure to tell your friends. Don't just live, be alive. Recently, I went looking for a talking food scale and thought I would share my results with you. What I ended up with is a My Way talking food scale. Now, there were a lot of initials, a lot of letters, a lot of numbers with it. So rather than giving all of those specifics, they will be in the show notes if you are interested. This is a relatively flat scale. And again, it is for weighing foodstuffs. It's not a body weight scale, although the voice in it and some of the prompts sound a lot like body weight scales you might be familiar with. It is more or less rectangular. It does kind of curve in a little bit on the long edges. It has four rubber feet and a speaker on the bottom, and it takes four AA batteries, which are included but not installed. For this demonstration, I have the scale positioned with the four rubberized buttons facing me. When I do this and I reach to the underside, there are two slide switches. The top slide switch controls whether or not the voice is on or off. And when that switch is set to the outside edge of the scale, the voice is on. The switch below it is for volume. and when that is switched to the outside edge as well, the volume is high. I can't tell a lot of difference between volume levels. To me, volume sounds kind of like higher and highest. They're both relatively loud, but that's okay. And it will certainly work well for our purposes of demonstration. Let's now go over the four buttons on the scale. They are large and rubberized. And the one on the left is tear, T-A-R-E. And what this means, for example, is let's say that you want to weigh cereal. And you put your bowl on the scale. And maybe it says your bowl is 9 ounces. Well, you don't really care about the weight of the bowl, but you need it to hold that cereal. So you would then press the tear button, and it would put the scale back to zero so that you could weigh just the cereal. Or let's say that you are making a recipe and you need three ounces of something and two ounces of another. You could use the tear feature in that way as well. The next is the mode button and that will cycle you back and forth between grams and ounces. The third button is the off button and it has an indentation in it. To me it just feels like a big thumbprint. And then the fourth button has a raised circle and that is your on button. So I'm going to press that now and we'll hear what the scale sounds like. Hello. 
pretty. And now I'm going to go ahead and weigh something. In this case, I'm weighing a little Bluetooth speaker I have close by, but you could weigh anything. So let's use our tear button. And, and it beeps, and it takes me back to 0.0, .0 ounces. So I'm going to add something else to this speaker that's already there. Now, what if I want to know this in grams? So I pressed the mode button and it gave me that information. I'm going to go back to ounces. And just to let you hear the difference in volume, here is the lower voice volume. So as you heard before, it was not the exact same weight. Before it said it was 10.8, and then it fluctuated to 10.7 when I weighed it this time. So there is some variability there. My suggestion, if you want real accuracy, at least in theory, would be to try weighing in grams to see if that would give you a more precise measure. Also, it's important to set your object or your food, whatever you're weighing, as much in the center of the tray as you possibly can. Let's go ahead now and I'll turn it off. Goodbye. And so that essentially is the scale. I have used another talking scale years back. I don't even know if that one is made anymore. It was considerably more expensive. This seems to do the same things with about the same level of accuracy. Some people care about this and some don't. Just so you know, it does not come with its own bowl or dish or whatever for weighing, but I personally don't really find that a problem. I just want to mention it. You can buy this scale through Amazon. As I said, I will have a link to it in the show notes. You can also buy it from the blindness catalogs like independent living aids, maxi aids, etc. If you have any questions, please do feel free to contact me by emailing lisa at blindalive.com. That's it for us today. Make sure that you go check out Maria Johnson's blog. She's very consistent in her blogging, and it's the Girl Gone Blind blog. There'll be a link in the show notes. Maria is funny. She has a very interesting perspective on losing vision quickly over time and how she has coped with that. So I think you'll find some good information there. So go check out Girl Gone Blind blog. She's also on Twitter at Girl Gone Blind and Facebook. And we are also on Twitter at Blind Alive and Facebook at Blind Alive, and LinkedIn at Blind Alive, and YouTube everywhere. We're everywhere at Blind Alive. So come visit us on the website, and we will talk to you in two weeks.